welcome to Gather and Gain's Prophecy Times podcast. This is episode two, and uh, we're excited to be back with you here Wednesday, five o'clock. We hope that this will encourage you, prepare you, and bring you hope in these last days in which we live. So as I said last week, we are opening the word and having a look at what is the blessed hope for the believer in these times. Titus 2, 11 to 13 says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Here it is, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what Paul says to Titus is that we should be living in such a way that we are denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we are living soberly, righteously and godly in this time, all the while looking forward, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What is, <coughs> excuse me, what is the believer's blessed hope? Now, this word hope in, uh, in the Greek means to participate, uh, sorry, to anticipate with pleasure, concrete expectation, with confidence. It means that we are to have a joyful and confident expectation of something, of something in the future. 1 Peter 1 Verses 3 to 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. That's that same word, a joyful and confident expectation, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So what is this blessed and living hope for the believer? It is the joyful expectation, the joyful and confident expectation of Jesus coming to gather his own. You see, since the beginning of the church and the time of the apostles and the disciples at that time in the early church they have had and we from this time now too have the same hope and that is that Jesus is going to come back and to gather his own to gather his bride that is our joyful and our confident expectation my question for you and for me is do you have that joyful and confident expectation of Jesus to come, coming back to gather his own? I'm going to read to you Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. One time, Christ on the cross. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. He's already dealt with sin 
And to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. What's that for? For salvation. Interesting. Let's see what that is. But my question remains, are you eagerly waiting for his return? Are you eagerly waiting for that return that will bring salvation? And what salvation will it bring? Because we've already been saved from the consequences of our sin, but we're still living in this earthly tent or this earthly body or this earthly vessel. And so what are we waiting for? Our blessed hope is the wait for the return of Jesus and the redemption of our bodies, the salvation of our bodies. 1 John 3, 2 to 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who has this hope, same hope, in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. Do you have this blessed and living hope of our future resurrection and glorification? That is, we will be like him. He is the first fruits of the resurrection and we will have a body like him. That is one that is free from corruption and that goes on for eternity. I want to encourage you today. Because if you don't have this living and blessed hope, Jesus has something to say to you today. I'm going to show you what it is. It's very cool. I love this passage. It's John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. That's the first thing. I love how it starts here. This is Jesus talking and he says, don't be troubled in heart. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, and we all know this this verse, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What does Jesus say? He says two things. He says, where am I going? The Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he tells us he's going to the Father. He tells us that he's going to bring us to the Father. Where's the Father? In heaven, in the Father's house. But he also says the way, and that is Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven, the only way to the Father. But he says so much more in that passage. Jesus says to you right now, he says, let your heart not be troubled. First of all, in these times that we live, don't be troubled. He has gone to prepare a place for you in his father's house. That is awesome. And he said he will come again and he will receive you and me to himself. It's kind of like this. He's saying he's going to come down and he's going to receive us. 
He's not going to come right down to us. He's going to come down and receive us to himself. And when he does that, he will then take us to the Father's house and we will be with Jesus in that place. What an incredible promise that he has given to us. This is our blessed and living hope that Jesus will gather us and take us to be with him in his father's house. My question is, this is an amazing promise that Jesus has given to the believer. My question is, does scripture uh, make it clear in any way how he does that? Does it show us how he intends to fulfill that promise to come to us, to receive us to himself and to take us to his father's house? Truth is, yes, he has in scripture shown us the how of that promise. If you've got your Bible with me and I encourage you when you open uh, these podcasts at home, um, can I encourage you to open it with the Word of God, with the Bible in, in hand? And if you do have it, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 42, but I'm going to read verse 20 for you first. So 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 42. And by introduction, I'm going to read uh, verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits. Now, this is really important. Do you remember before uh, when I read to you uh, in, where did I read it? Here we go. First Peter chapter uh, one, verse three. I read to you that uh, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Speaking of this blessed hope, how has he done that? through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So this is important. This is, this is the means by which we have our living hope. And what is that means? That means is that Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits. Without Christ's resurrection, there is no future hope for the believer. So if you're a skeptic out there and you're listening to this, uh, this podcast, you need to disprove the resurrection of Christ because without the resurrection of Christ, there is no hope for the believer. We, we are hopeless. There is no faith. There is no uh, any future for the believer without the resurrection of Christ. But with the resurrection of Christ, who has become the first fruits through his resurrection, now we get to verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15. So also is the resurrection of the dead. That is you and me. When we die, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. What we have now is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Please forgive my gorgeous dog. Hopefully that doesn't come through too much. Our body is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. See, the process of Jesus gathering his own requires our resurrection because we cannot go to the Father's house in our current 
corruptible bodies, our flesh and blood earthly bodies. A, re a resurrection where Christ is the first fruits is required. Our natural body needs to be translated and glorified, transformed into a spiritual body. This is still an entirely a physical body, but it's eternal and incorruptible. So we will still have a body that we can touch, but it will be incorruptible and eternal. If you continue on in 1 Corinthians 15, we get to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 50. And this is, this is the how. So a resurrect, we understand that a resurrection is required in order to fulfill Jesus' promise to us to take us to the Father's house. 1 Corinthians 15 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's that truth again. We cannot go to the Father's house in this current earthly vessel. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Same again. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. In order to get to heaven, we have to be translated and glorified. We cannot go home with Jesus to the Father's house in this earthly body. And Paul says, I tell you a mystery is like, guys, don't worry. Jesus has sorted this out. Let me tell you a mystery that is a hidden truth that was not known in Old Testament times. But now Jesus has revealed or is revealing it to you through me. Now, we shall not all sleep. That's the first thing. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So first thing is he's saying at the point that this event take, takes place, Many will have died, many will be asleep, but not all of us will sleep. There will be some that will be alive when this event takes place. When Jesus comes to receive us unto himself and take us to the Father's house, some of us will still be alive. And I'm praying that, that we are among the some of us. But all will be changed. Okay? So whether we are alive at that time or dead already, all of us will be changed. If we are in the bride of Christ, that is believers in this church age, if we have come to faith in Christ any stage between the resurrection of Jesus and the moment that this event takes place, if we've come to faith in Christ through that time, then at this time, we will all be changed. That is, we'll all receive our new body. Our old body will be transformed. It will be translated and glorified. So that the reason for this is so that we can go home, that we can go with Jesus into the Father's house. And this is the believer's blessed hope. Incredible. This is the how. So what do we know so far? What has scripture told us so far? 
We know that Jesus has left us, all right? But he's not left us as orphans. He's not left us alone. He's left us with a helper, with the Holy Spirit. Incredible. But he's left us. But he's promised that he will return to us again. He will return to gather his own. That is his bride, the church. And we also know that we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot go to the Father's house in our current earthly bodies. And so, Scripture says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that is at some stage in the future, it's not happened yet, the dead will be raised incorruptible. So the dead in Christ will get their translated bodies. Okay, so their dead bodies will be raised incorruptible. And the living at that same time will be changed. That is translated, glorified. We will get our new body also. So the dead and alive in Christ will all get our eternal bodies at that moment. This is our blessed hope. And then at that moment, when we get our bodies, we will go with Jesus into the Father's house. And the only way to have this blessed and living hope is in Christ. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, and in fact, no one comes to the Father's house except through Jesus. My question is, has Jesus given us any more information about this event and about how he will gather his own? Yes, he has. He is not... He's not left us in the dark about this event. I, I love this. And it, it makes me really sad that so many churches don't teach on this incredible promise. And they don't, uh, they don't teach it in a way that uh, they can piece together all the biblical prophecy pieces of the puzzle, so to, so to speak. What does it look like? How does it happen? When does it happen? Why does it happen? Uh, how do we know that it will happen the way that he says it will happen? All, all of these truths churches don't really talk about. So this is the journey we're going on. But for now, we're looking at today, how is it that he goes about this process of fulfilling our blessed hope? That is the promise that Jesus will come to gather his own, receive us unto himself and take us into the Father's house. If you've still got that Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. I love this passage. One of the things, and we'll we'll pick up this in a later, uh, later episode, but one of the things that I love about this passage is the four we uh, the five, sorry, we statements of Paul. So this is Paul writing to the Thessalonians. Excuse me, and he includes himself time and time again in that select group of people who he says will still be alive and remain at the time that this event takes place. Now, obviously, Paul is no longer alive and remains. He's he's going to be with Jesus in the Father's house. But if Paul believed that biblically, prophetically there was nothing else that had to happen before this event took place and how much more should we believe that this event could be imminent 
And we're going to look at this doctrine of imminency in a future, uh, future episode. But for now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting at verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep or have died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Same word, no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, you see the key there? It's all about the resurrection. That is, it's all about the fact that Jesus died and then he rose again and became the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. Because of that, if we believe in that truth, which it is true, if we believe in that, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So God will bring with him, remember, Jesus coming down out of heaven. He's coming to receive us unto himself. And when he comes, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, when he comes, he will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Those who have died, who have come to faith in Christ during uh, the church age. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. This is important. This is not Paul conjecturing. This is Paul saying, Jesus has specifically spoken these words to me, and now I'm speaking them to you. That's important. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed or come before those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Trumpet. Did you hear that trumpet uh, from 1 Corinthians 15? Trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Now that's interesting because the dead in Christ were coming with Jesus down, but now they're rising. So we'll explain that in a little, in a little bit. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, that's you and I, Lord willing, shall be caught up together. Now we'll come back to that word, those two words in a future uh, episode. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Where are we meeting the Lord? In the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, and this is, this is the big why of Bible prophecy and, and of this promise that Jesus has given us. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So what can we know from this passage? Because there's a lot in here and I've read through it pretty quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and highlight and summarize what it says to us. And please, Bible open, search the scriptures and test what I'm sharing with you. So Paul says, don't, first of all, don't be like others who have no hope. That's the first thing. In this instant, the hope that he's referring to is, is, his brothers and, is in regard to brother, our brothers and sisters who have died. He says, don't, uh, don't sorrow for them because they're going to be part of this resurrection. They haven't missed it. Just because they've died, this is what the Thessalonian church thought. They thought that if they died, they would miss out on this resurrection and translation. They would miss out on this blessed hope. That's what they thought. And, uh, and Paul says, no, don't be like them who have no hope. He says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, if we believe the truth of his death and resurrection, then Jesus himself will come down just as he promised in John 14. He will come 
out of heaven. There will be a shout, there will be a voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says that this is all going to be happening in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment. Super quick. Jesus will come down out of heaven and he will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. He will bring with him the souls of the dead in Christ. Okay, that is the souls of all the believers that have died from the resurrection of Christ to the time of this event. He will bring with him the souls of those believers out of heaven with him. Where to? The clouds, the air. He will come down with them into the air or the atmosphere. Jesus will at that point resurrect and translate the bodies of the dead in Christ. Okay, so it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Their bodies will rise, okay, because we're resurrected. We're not reincarnated, we're resurrected. Our bodies rise and those bodies get changed, translated, glorified. So what Jesus says is, he's coming down with the souls of the dead in Christ into the air. And at that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, their bodies will come out of their graves. Now, I'd love to be at a, actually, I'm not going to see it because I'm going to be getting taken up at the same time. But imagine, uh, imagine witnessing this from a graveyard, pew, 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 coming out of the grave, all the bodies, who knows how it'll look, because it'll be a twinkling of an eye, but kind of cool thought, right? Uh, but they will get their bodies resurrected to meet them in the air where they are with Jesus. They now, the dead in Christ, have their new body translated in, uh, sorry, in the air with Jesus. Immediately after that, remember this all hap happens in the twinkling of an eye. Immediately after that, we who are alive and remain on the earth at that time, Lord willing, that's going to be you and me, we get caught up together with the resurrected believers. That means we get snatched away um, with the resurrected believers. We, we also get changed. That is, we get our translated, glorified, resurrected bodies. We meet the Lord in the air. That is in the clouds. Our destination at that moment is in the air. It's not heaven, it's not earth. Jesus doesn't come all the way down to earth. He comes out of heaven and receives us unto himself into the clouds. And from that moment, scripture says, we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This truth is to be a comfort for every believer. This is our blessed and living hope. So my question for you is, are you, as Titus, or Paul says to Titus, are you looking for this blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ? Are you pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, as Paul says to the Philippians? Did you catch that? The goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is Jesus coming down and receiving us unto himself, snatching us away to himself in the clouds. Are you eagerly waiting 
for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Did you catch that? Transformed, conformed, translated, glorified, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Again, this is Paul to the Philippians. Therefore, Paul to the Philippians again, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, beloved. That comes immediately after that call regarding, are we eagerly waiting for the Savior? We need to be eagerly waiting. We need to be pressing toward the goal of the upward call of Christ. We need to be looking for this blessed and living hope. And this is why we need to be doing this. This is why Bible prophecy and the study of God's promises regarding the last days and the consummation of all things is so important. The story that we are telling the world matters. How you are standing fast for the Lord now in these times matters. How you view the consummation of all things and how it affects your life right now matters. I'm going to leave with you seven questions to get you thinking and mulling over. That is regarding your view of Bible prophecy and your view of biblical end times events. Seven questions regarding your view of biblical end times events. That is how you view things taking place in the last days. First of all, does your view give you a love for Christ's appearing? Does it give you a love for Christ's appearing? Does it motivate you to action with regard to fulfilling the Great Commission? Does your view of what God is going to do at the end motivate you to action regarding fulfilling the Great Commission? Number three, does your view of what God does at the end which is inclusive of our blessed hope, does your view help you sort out the details of prophetic events written in Scripture? Does your view actually legitimately piece the puzzle together or does it not? Does your view provide you a realistic understanding of the past, of the present and of the future? Or does your view ignore some of those things? Or do you not even look at those things? Or are you not even aware of those things? Does your view motivate you to be used by God to make a difference in the world today? Does your view of our future promises and the future events that God says will take place motivate you to be used by God in these times now for such a time as this? Does your view give you confidence and hope regarding your future? And finally, does your view give you a living, or should I say, does your view help you to live in anticipation of Christ coming for his bride? Are you living in anticipation 
of Christ coming for his bride. And so we pray that you will continue to join us each week as we seek to help you organize all the biblical data regarding prophecy because there's so much. There's about a third of the Bible, as we said last week, that is Bible prophecy. So we hope that you will stay with us as we sort out that data and, and find where it all fits. We hope that you'll stay with us as we seek to give you a joyful and a confident expectation for your future. That is your blessed and living hope. And as we seek to help you have the attitude of the Apostle Paul, as we eagerly wait for our blessed hope, Paul's attitude was this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. See, each of us must plan our lives as though we will live for many more years to come. We have to plan like we're going to live for many more years to come. But we must also live as though Jesus could return and will return at any moment. Thanks for joining our Prophecy Times podcast again this week. We're already looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Much love.